Hello and welcome to the Decorum Talking Newspaper for the week ending Saturday 29th of July 2023. Today it is the turn of Team 4. This is Mary and your other reader is Graham. The editor this week is Mary and our technician is Jake. Many of our news items are taken from the Hemel Hempstead, Berkhamsted and Tring Gazette and Express newspaper. All telephone numbers are on the local code of 01442, unless otherwise stated. The headline this week is Cameras banned, Harts County Council say no to signs or cameras. This and other stories follow. Hello, this is Graham. Uh, Hundreds of children have been waiting in excess of 18 months to see a community paediatrician in East and North Hertfordshire. Children are referred to community paediatrics if they are suspected of having conditions and disorders that include autism, dyspraxia, ADHD and epilepsy, as well as development disorders and neurodisability. County councillors were told that 970 children had been waiting in excess of 65 weeks in East and North Hertfordshire. And they were told that 497 children had been waiting more than 78 weeks, which is equivalent to 18 months. Members of the County Council's Health Scrutiny Committee were presented with the data on Wednesday last week, July the 19th, in response to a question from Jan Taylor from Health Watch Hertfordshire. Matt Webb from the Hertfordshire and West Essex Integrated Care Board, that's H-W-E-I-C-B, told the committee that community paediatrics was problematic. He said a recovery plan was being developed in Eastern North Hearts that was more comprehensive than reducing the backlog, making a more lasting and sustainable change. And, he said, it would include a single integrated model for ADHD, and explore some outsourcing of assessments. It is a problem for us, he said. I think it is a problem nationally with the increasing demand for these types of services. It is mainly being caused by insufficient staff and clinical capacity to meet the referral demand. The referrals have been steadily increasing over the last five years, but the clinical capacity to see those referrals has been static. I know East and North Hearts has tried to recruit some additional community paediatricians on several occasions, but has had limited success, hence why we are exploring the wider routes. So yes, I recognise it is a problem that we are absolutely focused on, and we are working with the Trust on a recovery plan and regularly monitoring the situation. Meanwhile, HWEICB Director of Strategy, Beverly Flowers, also highlighted the change in focus of community paediatrics with a rapid growth in young people being referred for autistic spectrum disorder assessments. But pointing to length of time it took to train, she said that availability of staff did not reflect training now, but a lack of training from five or six years ago. She said there were now... They were now looking at the wider use of practitioners, but she stressed there isn't a quick fix and it is a national issue. 
Following the meeting, Liberal Democrat councillor Chris White, who had led the questioning of HWEICB officers, said the number of children waiting was a bit shocking. Sometimes, in the NHS, you wonder how it has got to this stage, he told the local democracy reporting service. This is too many children and too long in a child's life. There needs to be action to bring this down. It needs to be given priority. And a spokesperson for the HWEICB said, We are working closely with all our providers of children's services to support them in reducing these numbers. This is a priority for us so that children in Hertfordshire and West Essex can get the treatment they need. According to the HWEICB, 1,752 children have been waiting in excess of a year to see a community paediatrician at East and North Hearts, and the total number of children on the waiting list is 4,493. A man has been named and charged in connection to a violent incident in Abbots Langley. Hertfordshire Constabulary has named James Distant in connection to an incident in the Hertfordshire village, which left a man hospitalised. On Friday, the 30-year-old of Fairfield Avenue, Droylsden, Manchester, was named by the police. He has been charged with grievous bodily harm, possession of an offensive weapon, assault of an emergency worker, and breach of bail. All four charges are linked to an incident in Broomfield Rise just before 6.30pm on Sunday, July the 16th. Hertfordshire Constabulary reports that a man in his 30s suffered puncture wounds to his arm and abdomen during the altercation. He was taken to hospital, but his injuries were assessed as non-life-threatening. Diston appeared at Hatfield Magistrates Court on July the 18th and was remanded in custody. He is due to appear at St Albans Crown Court on Tuesday, August the 15th for a pre-trial preparation hearing. Detective Sergeant Tony Quince from the Three Livers Local Crime Unit said, This incident, while isolated between parties known to one another, understandably caused alarm in the community due to the large-scale police response. So I am pleased that a charge has been secured as part of our investigation. We now await the next scheduled court date. Crimes can be reported to the police online via hearts.police.uk forward slash report or by calling the non-emergency number 101. Alternatively, you can stay 100% anonymous by contacting the independent charity Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111. Decorum District Council spent all of its discretionary housing payments budget in the last tax year, new figures show. Discretionary housing payments are paid by local authorities to cover shortfalls in the Residents' Housing Benefit or Universal Credit. Department for Work and Pensions figures show Decorum District Council spent £246,187 on discretionary housing payments from March 2022 to 23. It was given a budget of £246,208, meaning it spent just over its allocation. This council spent 99% of its budget in the previous year. The figures come amid the government freeze on housing benefit, 
in place for the last three years. But housing charity Shelter is demanding benefits are increased to match the dramatic rise in rent over the last few years. Chief Executive Polly Neat explained, If the government really wants to tackle the housing emergency, the Chancellor must urgently unfreeze housing benefit to help families pay their rent. But the only long-term solution to the housing emergency for the government is to invest in new generation of genuinely affordable social homes with rents tied to local incomes. A government spokesperson said nearly 1.6 billion in funding has been given to the local authorities since 2011 as a safety net for people struggling with rent or housing costs. They added, we are set to spend over 30 billion on housing support this year on top of the significant cost of living help worth around £3,300 per household. It is for councils to decide how to allocate funding and manage their budgets, and they can top up government funding up to two and a half times using their own funds. Volunteers are urgently needed to help out at Rennie Grove Peace Hospice's charity hub in Berkhamsted. The charity sells around 250 items per week on sites such as eBay and Vinted, meaning around 200 parcels need to be dispatched and packed per week. The charity currently has a team of six dedicated volunteers who give up their time to package and dispatch parcels, but bosses warn that without more volunteers they simply won't be able to keep up with demand. Sarah Gaywood, e-commerce manager at Rennie Grove Peace, says... Our e-commerce packers are an integral part of the wider retail and trading team. Packing is one of the most important roles because it represents the end of the journey for donated items. They wrap around 200 parcels each week and our purchased items would not get to their new homes without them. They do a fantastic job of packing items from tiny antiques and jewellery to collectibles and fashion. We currently have vacancies for two packers on Tuesdays and without new volunteers, we risk being unable to fill customers' orders. Our online sales make up a huge part of our retail operation, bringing in, on average, around £6,000 per week. Every penny raised through both online and offline sales is used to fund our services for local people without life-limiting illnesses. Without more volunteers to support our online shop, we risk a fall in retail income, that could affect the services we're able to deliver for patients. And continuing the previous item, volunteers are asked to commit either half a day or a full day once a week, based at the Northbridge Road site. Karen from St Albans has been a volunteer packer for over two years and volunteers once a week. She says, I love working as part of this team to help generate funds for such a worthwhile charity. It's a really exciting place to be. You see such a variety of items coming through and it's very busy. I pack up to around 40 items a day. I tend to look after the jewellery and take pride in doing a good job. It's so important to make sure items get to their new home safely, especially when you're sending items of high value. 
I also get involved with buddying for new volunteers to support them into the role, whilst I also, which I also really enjoy. Hilary from Hemel Hempstead has been volunteering as a packer for over three years and dedicates her time at least once a week. She says, I love seeing the nice clothes that come through our e-commerce operation and I'm amazed at the wonderful items that are donated and find their way to the hub to be sold on our online selling platforms. It's a lovely place to volunteer and really sociable. I have made friends here and it is gets me out and keeps me busy. Supporting the charity became even more special to me four years ago when my best friend was cared for by Rennie Grove. It really reinforced how important it is to give back. To volunteer or find out more, see the current volunteer opportunities section at renniegrovepeace, all one word, dot org forward slash get hyphen involved or contact the team by email at volunteers at renniegrovepeace, all one word, dot org. Less than a quarter of the £469,000 raised from the auction of the County Council's art collection has been spent four years after the works were sold. The County Council took the controversial decision to sell off or give away the bulk of the artworks in 2017. And in a series of three public auctions two years later, 450 artworks were sold, with a further thousand being given to schools, academies and other public organisations. The Council vowed to use the funds raised from the auctions to improve the condition of the remaining items. And they said it would be used to increase the public visibility of the Council's four nationally significant sculptures, but now the local democracy reporting service has learned that in the last four years, between April 2019 and April 2023, just over £100,000 of the £469,000 has been spent. That has included £49,650 for physical work to the Hepworth sculpture turning forms and a further £1,674 for tapestry preservation. It also includes £53,000 to pay for council officer time. To curate the collection, £10,000. Working on turning forms, £25,000. And for photography and cataloguing, £18,000. And as a result of work already undertaken, images of the sculptures have been added to the Art UK website with images of all the artworks also available on the Council's website. Meanwhile, a further £37,000 has been ring-fenced for further art collection work programmes this year, 2023, sorry, 2022 to 23. The County Council say that although a portion of the money raised at auction remains unspent, it has been ring-fenced for work as it is required. And to continue, backing the council's approach, executive member for education, libraries and lifelong learning, councillor Caroline Clapper said, I'm pleased we're looking after the collection properly. Some of the pieces are very valuable and we need to ensure they continue to be preserved for generations to come. They are part of the story of Hertfordshire. 
According to the County Council, 189 artworks have remained on display in schools, academies, libraries and in County Hall. Ongoing work is said to include a review of the conservation needs of all the works, including the inclusion of an annotation and contextual information. And work is said to be continuing to identify additional venues where the remaining artworks could be viewed. Included in the Council's retained collection are four nationally significant sculptures, Henry Moore's Family Group, Barbara Hepworth's Eocene and Turning Forms, as well as the statue of Queen Eleanor, originally a Waltham Cross. And the Council stresses that these sculptures have always been on display. Henry Moore Family Group sculpture is on display at the Barclay Academy in Stevenage. Hepworth's Eocene is on display in St Albans School, and her Turning Forms is at Marlborough Academy in Stevenage, Meanwhile, the statue of Queen Eleanor, originally at Waltham Cross, is on display at the Victoria and Albert Museum. Hertfordshire Highway's chiefs are to trial the repair of potholes with old tyres. An estimated 40,000 potholes are due to be repaired across the county this year. And now, in a report presented to the County Council, Executive Member for Highways and Transport Councillor Phil Bibby has revealed the Council is set to trial new methods. That includes a jet patcher to spray inject potholes, a trial of a JCB Pothole Pro and the road mender. It is the road mender that uses old tyres to make the repair and in the report Councillor Bibby suggests it could be quicker and better for the environment. Roadmender takes end-of-life car tyres and uses them as part of a fast-setting rubberised liquid, he says. This liquid can be used to fill potholes without the need for saw cutting or compaction on site, making the repair quick and reducing the amount of carbon compared with current pothole repair methods. Meanwhile, he reports that the JCB Pothole Pro has attachments so that it can plane the road surface, cut the edges straight clean the area and then fill the pothole. And he says, we expect that it will be particularly useful in large patch repairs. The report was included in a written report presented to councillors at a meeting of the County Council on Tuesday last week, July the 18th. It states that as a result of an allocation of 3.952 million from the government's pothole fund, there will be 20,000 additional pothole repairs this year taking the expected total to 40,000. The summer is looking bright in Hemel Hempstead. The town's Business Information District, BID, is running an extensive and free programme of summer events on the Rainbow Stage in the town centre. The activities, funded by the government, are suitable for both big and little kids, from tots to those over eight years old. They kicked off on July 24th with the much-loved Berkshire Birds of Prey and they run until September the 2nd with a send-off from the Superheroes Academy. Other highlights include the abandoned Jurassic theme park, 
an interactive dinosaur adventure featuring music, dancing and games. There's a surf simulator which allows would-be surfers to ride the waves without getting wet. A mobile cave experience made up of over 90 feet of tunnels, twists and turns, and have-a-go circus skills workshop, including a tightrope and trapeze. And a summer safari trail will be available from August the 11th to the 28th via a free app. Families must wander around the town to find the safari stops and answer African wildlife-themed questions. Other free activities include a climbing wall, the Mermaids and Pirates children's show, soft archery and a Wizards children's show. The Hemel Hempstead BID is a business-led and business-funded organisation which runs a number of events in town each year, operates cleaning projects and runs safety initiatives to improve the area for businesses, visitors and residents. Visit the BID website, hemelhempsteadbid.com, for more information on the activities and other upcoming events. A secondary school in Hemel Hempstead put together a joint celebration for its 70th birthday and the opening of a new building. Adifield Academy invited local officials to celebrate its 70th year and also arranged a series of activities for schools to enjoy. The Mayor of Decorum, Deputy Mayor and local councillor Terry Douris joined Principal Miss Mason and Atlas Trust CEO Margaret Chapman in officially opening the new Jubilee Building on the 7th of July. Other special guests stopped by, while some Adifield Academy students hung around for the celebrations. Every invited visitor was given a tour of the finished building, followed by a celebratory reception, where they were entertained by a Year 9 student pianist. A.R. Watson and Property Tectonics completed the new building, which boasts nine new classroom suites, ready for September 2023. As part of the 70th anniversary celebrations, history scholars and library leaders at the school researched artefacts and examined old photographs and logbook entries from when the school opened. Students enjoyed a festival on the field where they had a cake stall, ice cream van and a variety of activities including archery, coits, speed stacking, and sponge the teacher. Mm. There were live music from the year nine music class and six form students. In addition to this, the school raised 249 pounds 60 pence for DENS, the school's chosen charity for 2023. Earlier this year, the school received a good rating following an Ofsted inspection. Hertfordshire County Council leader Richard Roberts has warned that ULES signs and cameras will not be allowed within the county's borders should the zone be expanded as planned in August. And he has told London Mayor Sadiq Khan that the County Council will consider legal options pending the outcome of an ongoing judicial review. Under controversial ULES expansion plans, any motorist driving a higher emissions vehicle into Greater London would have to pay a daily charge of £12.50. 
And where a charge was not paid, motorists would face a £90 fine. That would double to £180 if not paid in time. London transport bosses have said the aim of the ULES expansion is to improve air quality by reducing the number of vehicles in London that don't meet emission standards. But councillors in Hertfordshire have said it would create a ta- an effective tax border to the south of the county and would penalise vulnerable motorists who could not afford to change their cars. Now council leader, councillor Richard Roberts, has written directly to the London Mayor to outline the council's objections. In the letter, he stresses that air pollution is something that the council takes incredibly seriously, and he says it's something the council would like to work with him on to improve. But he calls on the mayor to pause the expansion of the zone in order to redraw the zone boundary and to provide public transport options for those who cannot upgrade their vehicles. In Hertfordshire, many residents, families and businesses are telling us that they are dealing with the tightest squeeze on their finances in over a generation, he says. The simple fact of the matter is that at this time, many people with non-compliant vehicles, often the lowest paid in society, cannot afford to upgrade their cars, are not eligible for the scrappage scheme and have no viable public transport alternatives. Councillor Roberts highlights Transport for London plans to develop existing car parks in outer London. Continuing from the previous item. The letter sent on Friday comes after a meeting of the County Council agreed that the ULES expansion needed a complete rethink on Tuesday last week. The motion proposed by Executive Member for the Environment, Councillor Eric Buckmaster, said the charge would be an additional tax. And it said those least least able to afford a new car would be the ones paying the fees and the fines from meagre salaries and pensions. It is bad enough that Hertfordshire residents will have an effective tax border erected in the south of the county, says the motion, but it means that all the residents in the counties surrounding London will end up subsidising Mayor Khan's social services, transport, or whatever financial hole that needs topping up. This is unfair, hitting the most vulnerable at the worst time. This needs a complete rethink. In the motion, Councillor Buckmaster also pointed to fears of rat running by motorists to avoid cameras. And while charges would be imposed on Hearts residents travelling over the border to work, to school, to socialise or for healthcare, Councillor Buckmaster stressed that the London Mayor's scrappage scheme was not available to them. Amendments were put forward by the Council's Labour and Liberal Democrat groups, but all were rejected. Proposed amendments from the Labour group had highlighted that the ULES scheme was introduced by Conservative London Mayor Boris Johnson in 2015. They said it would be a minority of residents with older cars that would have to pay the charge. And they said the Council should ask for a government-funded wider scrappage scheme to cover London and the home counties. A proposed amendment by the Liberal Democrat group had also suggested an enhanced scrappage scheme should be put in place. That included residents in districts and boroughs adjoining Greater London. And it suggested enhancement to public transport in Outer London and adjoining parts of Hertfordshire. 
to be funded from the income generated from the ULEZ charges. It also indicated that the majority of cars and vans, estimated to be 85%, would already comply with ULEZ emissions requirements and would be unaffected by the expansion of the ULEZ zone. The unamended motion was agreed by the Council, with the Conservative majority voting for, but Liberal Democrat and Labour groups voting against. In response, a spokesperson for the Mayor of London said, the Mayor has been clear that the decision to expand the ultra-low emission zone London-wide was not an easy one, but necessary to tackle toxic air pollution and the climate crisis, said a spokesperson. Around 4,000 Londoners die prematurely each year due to air pollution. Children are growing up with stunted lung lungs and thousands of people in our cities are developing life-changing illnesses such as cancer, lung disease, dementia and asthma. The ULES is a very targeted scheme. Nine out of ten cars seen driving in outer London on an average day are already ULES compliant but will not have, and will not have to pay the charge. The Mayor continues to call on government to further support the switch to cleaner vehicles through funding a targeted national scrappage scheme. On top of the record-breaking £110 million he has provided from his London scrappage scheme, as it has done for other cities across the country. TfL and City Hall are working closely and collaboratively with the local authorities concerned to install the infrastructure needed. There are plenty of activities for Hertfordshire families choosing to staycation this summer. The County Council has compiled a list of 50 no-cost or low-cost activities, providing a gateway to a world of wonder and excitement for children and their parents right on their doorstep. 50 thrifty adventures can be found easily by foot, cycling or scooting, or further afield on the bus. But whether it's by bicycle wheels or a trip on the bus, all the listed family fun is accessible with something for everyone to enjoy. From a summer reading challenge and virtual orienteering to finding elusive Pokemon characters or visiting the Hearts Archives, St Albans Cathedral, Hertfordshire Castle or Roman ruins. Or simply explore the local nature, bird watching, walking a canal towpath, building a den in Hartwood Forest, or looking for dragonflies at Amwell Nature Reserve. County Council leader Richard Roberts said, we fully understand that many people will be finding it difficult, especially with the current cost of living crisis. So being able to make the most of every penny has never been more important to our families. In Hertfordshire, we have a huge number of activities and places which are great for family days out this summer, and many are free to visit or at a very low cost. No matter where you live in the county, some of these attractions are just a short journey away, so can be reached very easily by walking, cycling, scooting, or perhaps if a bit further afield, on the bus. Of course, if we all do our bit by travelling in a more active way, it will help to create the cleaner, greener and healthier Hertfordshire we all want for now and the next generation. Other free activities include the county's libraries, family centres, splash parks, and green spaces. For more information, put 50 Thrifty Adventures into your search engine.
Now we come to the information slot. This is followed by the obituaries, what's on and any more news. Macula Society trustees have visited Edge Hills University's labs to talk to its world-leading researchers on age-related macular degeneration, that's AMD. The Macula Society is funding the university's cutting-edge AMD research project, which involves gene expression, how a gene is activated to produce a protein, increasing our understanding of fundamental molecular processes, their implication for the ageing eye, and the associated degenerative changes which lead to visual impairment. The research group has already been successful in identifying a number of determining factors for normal functioning of the eyes, as well as how their faulty forms contribute to diseased eyes. Optometrist and Macular Society Vice Chair Alison Guthrie was joined by Bill Best, who has dry AMD, for the visit to the Lancashire-based university. There, they met Professor Luminita Parowin and her team. Professor Parowin heads its Molecular Biology Research Group and is a widely respected leader in the field, conducting research focused on specialised cells in human eyes. Professor Parowin said, Our work aims to further the understanding of fundamental molecular processes and the physiology of various eye tissues. This will have huge benefits for research into eye health, ageing, and importantly, degenerative conditions leading to vision impairment. Macular Society Vice Chair Alison Guthrie said, As an optometrist, I have seen firsthand the impact AMD has on people's lives. To have the opportunity to meet both Professor Parowin and Dr Ian Matei, whose research the Society is currently funding, has confirmed the importance of working in partnership with institutions and researchers whose work supports our aim to beat macular disease. As well as helping to find a cure for macular degeneration, the discoveries made by the Edge Hill research also have relevance for other major eye diseases, including glaucoma and eye cancer. A groundbreaking project harnessing the power of artificial intelligence, AI, has the potential to revolutionise both the diagnosis and treatment of macular disease, according to research professor Adam Dubis. Professor Dubis' team is using artificial intelligence to scan through large groups of macular disease patients' clinical data and OCT scans to discover what drives the rate that macular disease progresses in order to potentially provide earlier diagnosis and personalised treatment. Professor Dubis said, for many years, age-related macular degeneration, AMD, was simply, you're old and your eyes are going bad. Just because you start having issues with your eyes doesn't mean that a single thing has gone wrong, even though all age-related eye disease is lumped together. This is really what interests me. By identifying early signs of disease and extracting subtle signals from retinal images, Dubis believes that one day clinicians may be able to categorise patients based on their specific AMD subtype 
and recommend tailored treatments. This approach could optimise the effectiveness of treatments, minimise trial and error, improve clinical trials and ensure patients receive the most appropriate care and treatment for their condition. He added, I can't say in the next two years that I'm going to save their sight, but hopefully in three, four or five years, the digital tools will be matched up with the drugs so that at least we can stop the vision deteriorating any further. So the vision may not be perfect, but at least they won't go blind. Dubis highlighted that the success of the research relies on the collaboration of both AI, technology, and human expertise. While the AI system can process and analyse vast amounts of data quickly, it will work alongside healthcare professionals who use their expertise to make informed decisions and provide personalised care. The obituaries in the Gazette this week are Colin Brian Chapman of Dars Lane North Church passed away peacefully at the Hospice of St Francis on Thursday 6th July, aged 71 years. Vincent Paul Keane of Taunton, formerly of Berkhamsted, passed away peacefully at Oak Meadows Nursing Home, Taunton, aged 73 years. Patricia Irene Elsie Rickett of Mayflower Avenue, Hemel Hempstead, passed away peacefully on Thursday the 13th of July, aged 93 years. And finally, Odile Marie Monique Wolfe, née Bartoli, died peacefully at the age of 76 on Monday the 3rd of July. May they rest in peace. And now what's on? Uh, there's an exhibition called Creative Talents at Open Door, High Street, Berkhamsted, from July the 31st to August the 26th. The community and art space is inviting people in to experience the wealth of creative talent among its artists, tutors and volunteers, hirers and pupils. Its gallery walls will be filled with work from a wide array of those involved with Open Door with creations including drawings, pottery, needle felting, crochet and paintings. Open Door is also hosting a variety of free workshops throughout the month, suitable for children and adults. Topics include block printing, brooch making and yoga. Sarah Osborne from Open Door said... We're so fortunate to be a creative hub in Berkhamsted and we want more to experience all there is to offer. Visit opendoorberkhamsted, all one word, .co.uk for details. Theatre. Family theatre. The Tortoise and the Hare, Old Town Hall, Hemel Hempstead, August the 2nd. Get ready to hop like a hare and travel like a tortoise. Who will win? Slow and steady or fast and furious? Join in the fun for an unexpected dash to the finishing line. Visit oldtownhall, that's all one word, .co.uk to book. Then there's Annie at Milton Keynes Theatre between August the 7th to the 12th of August. 
Craig Revel Horwood, starring as Miss Hannigan in the much-loved musical set in 1930s New York during the Great Depression. Brave young Annie takes on all before her. Songs include It's the Hard Knock Life and Tomorrow. Visit atgtickets, all one word, dot com, dot com. That's A-G-D tickets. I'll repeat that, sorry. atgtickets.com to book. And now films at the Cine World Cinema in Hemel Hempstead this week include Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which is an action animation, Mavka, The Forest Song, another animation, Talk to Me, a horror film, Bro, Toluga, a drama, Barbie, 2023, a comedy, M4J, the Super Mario Brothers movie, which is an action film, Oppenheimer, a drama, Pinocchio, a true story, an animation, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is an action film, Elemental, an animation comedy, Insidious, The Red Door, which is a horror film, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, an action movie, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, an action animation. Reinventing Elvis, the 1968 comeback, which is a feature documentary. All popular films are provided to cinemas with an audio description track. Please mention your requirements at the time of booking. Local comedy. Screaming Blue Murder on Monday the 21st of August 2023 at 8pm is on at the Cellar Club, the Old Town Hall, High Street, Hemel Hempstead, HP1 3AE. Screaming Blue Murder is the Old Town Hall's resident monthly comedy club. This season sees the return of some old favourites, plus some rising stars on the comedy scene. Don't miss out and treat yourself to an uplifting start to the week. Early booking is advised. The acts are Noel James and Andrew Bird. The compare is Windsor. And it's also at the Old Town Hall is Tom Davis. Work in progress. That's on Friday the 25th of August at 8pm. Tom Davis has returned to his stand-up roots and is heading out on the road to try out brand new material. Best known for hit shows King Harry, The Curse... Murder in Successville, his hugely popular podcast Wolf and Owl with Romesh Raganathan, and for multiple appearances on our screens on A League of Their Own, the Ranganash Nation, Judge Romesh and Action Team. Tickets are from OTH box office at decorum.gov.uk. Telephone number is Hemel. 01442228091 and another email address is oldtownhall or one word dot co dot uk and some local music Juicebox Live are a multi-award winning live music promoter based within Decorum 
This month continues the trend started in 2021 of a regular night at the Old Town Hall, which is primarily focused on providing artists from decorum with a chance to play in their local area. So Paragym on Thursday the 17th of August at 8pm. They're born and bred in Hertfordshire. Paragym are a heavy metal five-piece band who hearken back to the early 80s style while combining thrash and death metal influences into their classic metal sound. If you've ever wanted to see an energetic interactive rock band, look no further. The support act, Hidden Palace, has yet to be confirmed. For more information or tickets, telephone 228091, oldtownhall.com, oh sorry, oldtownhall.co.uk or OTH box office at decorum.gov.uk. And then at the Court Theatre in Tring, Big Big Train Productions Limited present an evening with Big Big Train on Thursday the 24th of August, 7.30pm. A warm-up show from multinational progressive rock legends Big Big Train as they commence their 2023 European-UK The Journey Continues Tour. Big Big Train will be playing a specially extended length show with no support band, Big Big Train will be performing a wide variety of material from their back catalogue, including from the recently highly acclaimed Ingenious Devices album. For more information or tickets, the box office is (coughs) courttheatre.co.uk. The Marlowe Shopping Centre, located in the heart of Hemel Hempstead, is welcoming shoppers to enjoy four days of free activities across the month of August. Commencing on Tuesday, August the 1st and running weekly until Tuesday, August the 22nd, the Marlows will be host to a giant inflatable dome which will unleash a sense of adventure for children and adults alike. The dome will explore four walks of life and transport visitors to the far-flung parts of the world from the comfort of the shopping centre through the use of magical projections. Tuesday the 1st of August, it's Under the Sea. Tuesday 8th of August, In the Jungle. Tuesday 15th of August, it's Exploring Space. Tuesday 22nd of August, On the Beach. All events will run in Centre Court from 11am to 4pm, providing an exciting break from shopping trips to one of the many stores and eateries at the centre. Humphrey Mwanza, centre manager at the Marlowe Shopping Centre, said staff and shops at the Marlowe simply cannot wait for the event. We can't await for the arrival of our around-the-world summer here at the Marlowe's. The magical dome will transport you to incredible places you can only dream of, and all from our shopping centre. We can't wait to host you for a summer of free fun. The Marlowe's will also have a selfie opportunity to enjoy with a social media competition launching to win a £100 voucher to spend at the centre. For further details on events at the Marlowe Shopping Centre, visit themarlows.co.uk forward slash events. 
For the first time in 240 years, a white-tailed eagle chick has been born in England. White-tailed eagles became extinct in the UK in the early 20th century due to illegal killing and habitat destruction, with the last breeding pair spotted in 1780. Forestry England, which manages the nation's forest, and the Roy Dennis Wildlife Foundation, began reintroducing the magnificent birds in 2019, with the hope of restoring them to the English landscape for good. Since then, they've been moving young birds from the wild in Scotland to the Isle of Wight, where they are monitored and protected. Foundation founder Roy Dennis said, We still have a long way to go, but the feeling of seeing the pair, the first pair having a chick, is truly incredible. Forestry England has now confirmed plans to release more young white-tailed eagles. Blaise Tapp writes, Like the Beano, we all need to move with the times. Apart from warm, flat beer and an insistence on gravy with almost every meal, there is nothing quite as British as the Beano. It's a comic which many of us, the publishers reckon the figure could be as high as 27 million Brits, have read at some point in our lives. Such is its place in the nation's culture. Signed copies of the publication were included in a shipment which was sent to the other side of the world earlier this year to mark the signing of a trade deal with Australia and New Zealand. Even though I haven't thumbed its pages since the days of Thatcher and cigar adverts on the telly, the mere thought of the Beano evokes pure nostalgia. Just thinking about the tales of mischief and school pranks takes me right back to a simpler time, when there were only four channels and having Wall's Vianetto for afters on, on a Sunday with, was the height of sophistication. <laughs> Ironically, the mayhem endorsing Beano was something I usually got given for good behaviour, such as keeping my room tidy and not throwing vegetables at my younger brother. Actions that Dennis the Menace most definitely wouldn't have approved of. I lapped up every story, including Minnie the Minx and my personal favourite, Billy Wiz. The appeal to nine-year-old me was its irreverence and its celebration of unruly and sometimes downright mean behaviour, which, if reported by us mortals, would undoubtedly result in at least a month's worth of detentions in the head teacher's office. Times change, of course, and the Beano looks a lot different to how it did when it was launched in 1938. In recent years, there have been a number of tweaks and changes made to some of the principal characters, and now, to mark the publication's 85th anniversary, five new characters have been added to the Bad Street Kids. Harsha, Mandy, Khadija, Mahira and Stevie Starr to better reflect Britain in the 21st century. And more from Blaze Tap. One of the new characters suffers from anxiety while another wears a hijab and they have already been scrutinised by some sections of the media. Beano bosses are prepared for accusations of wokery and yet another so-called politically correct assault on our heritage, but insists that we all have to move with the times and that prior to the changes, all ten of the original Bash Street kids were white and nine were boys. 
This outdated picture, they quite rightly argue, doesn't reflect the society that today's Beano readers inhabit. And if they want to retain existing readers, not to mention attract new ones, they need to move with the times. It was the same motivation which prompted management at the comic to rename key characters Fatty and Spotty, Freddy and Scotty a couple of years ago. While Freddy still looks like someone who wouldn't ever say no to extra chips, there is no need for his old, outdated nickname, which, quite frankly, has been outlawed in playgrounds across the land for the past three decades at least. On reading the comments section of news websites that have carried the story about the Beano's changes, there are some who strongly disagree although I doubt whether any have picked up a copy since the late 1970s. The word woke crops up quite a lot in such posts and comments, but, like the good people at the Beano, I don't see it as an insult to be accused of being in tune with the world around us if being respectful of others' beliefs and feelings makes me woke, then I'm guilty as charged, and, quite frankly, I would be worried if I wasn't considered to be as such. Tens of thousands of copies of the Beano are sold every week, which in this digital age is very impressive and is testament to its enduring relevance. We live in different times to those of our grandparents and recognising that fact is a strength rather than a weakness. Now I have a couple of diary dates for you. The first one is Friendship Day, 30th of July. On this international day to celebrate all things friendship, spend the day with friends or reconnect with those far away. And the second one is Play Day, 2nd of August. Play Day is the national day for play. The theme this year is playing on a shoestring, focusing on low or no cost adventure for children. And some county council news. Authorities have warned against the potential harm to an area of outstanding natural beauty. Harm to Chiltern Chalk must be considered before work on Luton Airport's expansion begins, Hertfordshire councils have warned. Water quality and natural beauty fears feature in a disagreement pack put together by the County Council, North Hearts Council and Decorum Borough Council. At a fourth authority, St Albans City and District Council, the planning committee agreed it should oppose expansion at a meeting on Monday 24th of July. London Luton Airport, which handled 18.2 million passengers in 2019 and more than 13.3 million in 2022, has plans to accommodate 32 million passengers per annum in the future. Planners for the Luton Borough Council-owned airport have said expansion will help to level up areas of deprivation, support over 6,000 new jobs in the region, and boost economic activity in the area by a billion pounds. If the government's planning inspectorate grants development consent for this major project, the Bedfordshire Airport will gain a new terminal building and new taxiways to make the most efficient use of the airport's single runway. 
As part of the project, the expansion team will need to consider how to get rid of harmful chemicals in wastewater, such as cadmium, which can cause cancer in high doses, and copper, which can cause irritation and sickness. Discharges to ground would not intentionally contain hazardous chemicals, a report sets out. With the proposed concentrations of cadmium, chromium, copper and chlorine unlikely to result in significant pollution of groundwater. But the three Hertfordshire councils have warned that these contaminants in high enough concentrates could have a significant impact on the groundwater quality aspect of the chalk aquifer. They called on a more thorough look at water quality before, dine, before designs are complete in full. This week in history, July the 27th, 1980, the deposed Shah of Iran died of cancer in Cairo. On this day last year, the Duke of Cambridge said to the entire country is so proud of the England women's national football team after their 4-0 semi-final victory over Sweden put them a place in the Euro 2022 final. July the 28th, 1959, Postcodes were introduced into Britain by the Postmaster General, together with new postal sorting machines. July 29, 1938, first edition of the Beano comic was published. On this day last year, Beyoncé released her highly anticipated seventh studio album, Renaissance. July the 30th, 1963, third man Kim Philby turned up in Moscow, after escaping arrest in Britain for spying. On this day last year, Neighbours closed out its final moments on Channel 5 with emotional reunions, a joyful wedding and a nostalgic tribute to past and present stars. On this day last year, a Royal Air Force fly-past led by an all-female crew took to the skies to cheer on England ahead of the UEFA Women's Euro 2022 final. August the 1st, 1945, Family Favourites Record Request Programme began on the BBC. And now a look at the difference between travelling by rail and air. Environmental group Greenpeace analysed ticket prices on more than 100 routes between major European cities, including the UK. Taking the train to Europe from the UK is four times more expensive, on average, than flying. CO2 emissions, travelling by train is five times less polluting than flying. But 79 of the 112 routes looked at between 27 European countries, flying was cheaper. Flying was cheaper on all 12 routes from the UK including between London and Edinburgh. And 3.4 million passengers fly between London and Edinburgh every year, despite there being dozens of train connections every day. Now for some football news. Josh Williams has become the latest Hemel Hempstead Town summer signing and has immediately set his sights on winning promotion from the Vanarama National League South. The left-back spent the second half of last season on loan at Vauxhall Road from his parent club, Luton Town. Following their promotion to the Premier League, 
Williams was released by the Hatters Development Squad in May and has now decided his immediate future lies with the Tudors. Williams has put pen to paper on a season-long deal and says it is a move he is happy to make, having already worked with the Tudors boss, Brad Quinton, last term. He says he shares the Hemel boss's drive and ambition and declared, I am delighted to be back. I felt really welcome here towards the back end of last season and getting 20-odd games for the club. The club is moving in the right direction and it is definitely moving upwards and it is exciting to be a part of it. Everybody can see that Brad is quite an ambitious person and as a player you always have to be ambitious as well. We all want to head in the same direction. We all want to have the same goals and at the end of last season Brad and I got on well. He got the best out of me and with the players he has brought in I think we can definitely push for good things this season. Every game is different in this league and you are constantly learning. It has helped me to progress as a footballer and I now just want to help the team as much as I can and I think good things are coming. So what are his ambitions on a team and personal level? We have made no secret of the fact that as a club we want to push for promotion and to get as high up the league as we can, said Williams. That is definitely the main aim. As for me, as a defender, you have to defend first, so clean sheets will be important, but it will be nice to chip in with a few goals and assists as well. Williams was in Eastbourne with his new teammates at the weekend as the Tudors enjoyed a South Coast training camp. We are coming to the end of this week's news. Sunrise and sunset times for this weekend are 0520 and 2057. Don't forget, for those with access to the internet, our news is uploaded to our website soon after the recording each week on Thursday evening. This can be found by visiting dtnhemel.org.uk. If you wish to listen on Alexa, say, Alexa, open talking newspaper. Follow this with, Alexa, play decorum talking newspaper. If she asks which city or town, say Hemel Hempstead, and she will list nearby recordings, then she seems to respond correctly. Otherwise, say decorum in different ways, e.g. decorum or da-corum. Sooner or later she gets it. It can be frustrating, though. Remember, information on local amenities and services follow after the final music of this recording of the news on Memory Stick. For those who are listening to this week's news on Memory Stick, please remove it carefully from the player and return it to us in the pouch provided. Turn the label over and post it back to us at the Adafield Community Centre, the Queen's Square, Hemel Hempstead, HP2 4EW, using any Royal Mail post box. No stamp is required. Thank you for listening. Until next time, it's goodbye from your readers, the editor and Jake, your technician for this week.